Simon, we've got a treat today, haven't we? We've got a very interesting guest. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Um, we've got Anthony Asprey on, the uh, founder of the Wellman Academy. And also he's uh, the overseer of the community within that, the network, and uh, really looking forward to learning more about it. I, I saw Anthony post on LinkedIn to a guy I've met before called James Pickles and uh, straight away noticed, you know, that looks interesting. Um, I wonder if he'd be willing to come on and have a chat, you know, because, you know, we're always after inspiring people who are looking at life changes and how they can affect that change in others. And what I liked really about Anthony's one was the male focus, you know, because I think that that is important. You know, the work I do around mental health and well-being as well. Um, and I think uh, within the age bracket uh, across that spectrum, it's something that is always worth having a conversation about. So. Anthony, I just want to say thank you so much for agreeing to come on and talk yep. to us uh, today. And um, uh, we just want to really get to understand a little bit more about the Whole Man Academy and uh, how you've got to where you've got to, the highs, the lows, the challenges, what inspires you, what gets you out of bed in the morning. So um, uh, welcome. How are you? Thanks. Yeah, I'm as a, as a father of three kids, I'm slightly sleep deprived, and uh, you know, <laughs> most parents, whether their kids are you know grown up and flown the nest, or the younger will understand that that brings its own challenges. Um, and now, a kind of a, let's say entrepreneur, business owner of some description, I still can't spell entrepreneur. I always have to spell check it, but I still want to be one. So so good. And I'm you know I'm up in the Cotswolds where it was I mean minus four or five last night, and yeah, it, it's cold last night friends of mine that live that are in personal development and very inspiring characters in the states always admit that it's much life's much easier whether you like it or not when when the sun's shining it's warmer you know yeah. so uh yeah apart from that all good and looking forward to uh, jumping into some good topics oh yeah great. fantastic um so I'll, I'll i'll jump off then um because i suppose the question that sprung to me straight away when i saw what you're doing was what was the motivation to create the wellman academy you know, and I, look, I saw on your website your mission. If you could bring that to life for us, that that would be great insight for our listeners. So, yeah, as much depth that you want to go into would be amazing. I always take it back to um, I started the Whole Man Academy to help the man that I was when I worked in the city. So I'm 45 now, um, mm -hmm. but I worked in London for various financial institutions, broking houses, trading houses, um, from when I was 18, basically. So I didn't go to university. I knew I'd probably waste my time there partying, trying to shag girls and mess around all the time, which, you know, was, was my priorities. But I realized yeah. that wasn't my time best spent. And you I might as well get paid doing it. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I was saying when I started in, in London, when I was like 18, I the first role I had was at Glencore, which is one of the biggest or probably the biggest kind of precious mm. metal you know, trading commodities houses. And, and I honestly didn't know what they did. I didn't realize how big they were, because I think if I had have done the 18 year old would have probably just been like, I'm not going for the interview. I'm too scared, if mm. that makes sense. But ignorance is bliss. And as a youngster, you can have that, um, you know, boundless enthusiasm, because if you don't know, you, you, you're not worried by it. So I started from 18, spent four years there. Then I moved on to being a junior trader, junior uh, power trader um, for a few years for a company called ABB in Covent Garden. We all got made redundant, which was a really interesting time, because I think I've said on a lot of podcasts, when you talk about for men and women, when redundancy hits, for some it can be great if you've got a big payoff or you've got another yeah. job to go to. But for some, if you haven't, you know, your whole world can go up, flip upside down. Uh, maybe, maybe we could talk on that as well at some point. Yeah. But anyway, um, 
it was around that time that I understood what a broker was as opposed to a trader. And I always say I worked as a junior trader, but I never I was never interested in it, if that makes sense. Mm. Like I was jealous of some of the guys around me. And it was 95 percent men. Let's just be clear on that as well. Mm. Who were like really enthused about the numbers and the data and the charts and the figures. And I'd just be like, yes, it's interesting, but it doesn't really get me going if that makes sense but the salary did but not the actual the, yeah. the, the numbers yeah and what i realized then was that um i needed to make that slight transformation between the, uh, being a trader mindset and, and i had people kind of come up to me who were my brokers and say why don't you come and work for us you'd be good as a broker and i said before the trader was all about the numbers the broker was about knowing the person behind the numbers if that mm -hmm. makes sense so I kept uh, you know that that career for many years, and a lot of it was great. And like all of us here, and, and people listening, watching, whatever, you'll go through phases where, or a chapter of your life where you might really love something or someone, and then after a while, or years, or a decade or two, it just lessens the you know your enthusiasm wanes, and that's where I got to. Uh, let's say thirty six. I'll bring it up to the you know the time, the kind of next chapter of my life myself like a lot of men that i now work with got to that stage of the old like is this it is this what i'm going to do yeah. for you know if i was 36 you might say another 20 years of being in the city hmm. earning good money you know let's say like six figure salary ish but not millions so you're not going to retire at uh, early age yeah. you're gonna, and you know the trap is of success the more money you earn the nicer car you have the ski holidays the miami trips the the you know all those things kind of rise as well um so i got to that stage of let's say 36 to where i just thought do you know what i wanted more out of life i looked around and saw some men who were business owners or just were living a life of freedom and i thought i want that hmm. and doing what i was doing i was just bored of it so it's, i didn't hate it you know i and i would say hmm if you hate your job so much that you think you're going to kill yourself because you're like yeah. i can't handle it you need to walk out basically you know yeah. self-preservation is number one but if you just don't like it and you're done with it you need to hopefully if you can stay in that role until you work out what you're going to do or at least till you can get a good payoff yeah so that, that buys <laughs> you a buffer so that take, took me to 36 where i the company were brilliant who i was with and they found me several roles but I had that really imposter syndrome in one of my last roles because I just didn't know what I was. I, I knew the overall thing of what I was doing, but mm -hmm. when you move on to a new market, it's totally new to you, and it's very hard for a person when you've gone from a role where you—I don't mean you know everything, but you know you've done it for eight, nine years, so nothing can surprise you, and you're very confident in your ability—to suddenly sitting there thinking, "I don't know what that means. I don't know who's who's going to call. I don't know what these financial products are." So it was a very interesting time, but it came to at the age of 36, I basically got into personal development. And I'll throw it back to you with this, that my partner uh, started saying I should listen to podcasts. And I was mm. I said it so many times, I was like, I'm too busy. I haven't got time to listen to podcasts. And I listened to one or two, and that's the first time I heard the words Tony Robbins and thought, oh, this sounds interesting. Um, and uh, and that was the start of my journey onto kind of my own personal development, if that makes sense. So I'll, I'll chuck it back to you. Who switched you on uh, out of interest? What kind of podcast did you get into then? Because obviously the the landscape of podcasts then is very much different from what it is now, really. 
Yeah, it's a it's a really good question because you know there there are I still think podcasting is a very very valuable if done well a very valuable tool to reach people and it's evergreen content if it, as long as you're not talking about politics and stuff which is changing mm. all the uh, yeah. clowns clowns in government but I felt that when there was two podcasts I listened to um, one is was a podcast called uh, Mindset by Design and funny enough I don't know if you guys. You know, sometimes hold people on a bit of a pedestal because they've got a big following or you're just impressed with their content. And it was a guy called Andy Murphy who's from the UK, he's from Liverpool, but he was living out in the US and had, had, you know, had a real interesting life. And his big message was, you know, design your own life how you want it to be. And, yeah. and that's a big, big one for most people because we're not taught that, are we? We're taught mm, no. go and get a job, you know, be a, be a good boy, turn up at, you know, when the bell rings and, and do what you're told. So that podcast, I used to listen to it every morning on the way to on the on the, on the train on the way to London Bridge. Mm-hmm. And here's what's cool about that: I ended up connecting with him at a Tony Robbins event, and then we became friends. And now, like he, um, the last London Holman Academy dinner, he'd flown over from the states for something else, but was like, "I'm coming to your dinner," and it was mm-hmm. great because I used to look at him as up here, and then one day it was like he's like, "I love what you're doing. I'm going to come on your podcast." So I love yeah. I love stuff like that. So that was a it was a big podcast. There was another one, a guy called James Swanick, who still does a lot of stuff against um, uh, drinking alcohol. That's his kind of angle now. But he talked about going to a personal development event with Tony Robbins where he did the firewalk and what have you. And that's the first time I heard the firewalk. And I was like, yeah, I want some of this. So, yeah, that's that's where it came from. So you've d- have you done and deviating slightly? Have you done the firewalk? Yeah, did that at uh, Unleash the Power Within at the Excel Centre in the city uh, in London, as in um, with Emma, my partner. The mistake we made was buying the cheapest ticket we could. You know, they, they were, it was still like 700 quid for four days. Yeah. But, you know, we had, when I say lots of money, you know, we, we had more, a lot more money than that in the bank. But your, your mm. brain says, let's go for the cheapest option. Yeah. And then you realize you have to queue for hours to get in. So, you know, we're always learning about these things. But I did the firewalk. That was great. A real transformative experience. And I would say for all the people that think about going to events, you, it's not just about what you're learning there. It's about who you meet. Mm. Yeah. Those people might be someone that you can never discuss or decide how that might, some opportunity might come around. But at one of those events, it was it was six seven years later i got contacted by someone who had met me that event and said i've been looking at your stuff you know you've transformed yourself uh i'd be interested in you coming and speaking at a panel event and stuff like that so yeah you, if you don't put yourself out there you know you're never going to yeah. get opportunities mm. so in relation to your mission for the wellman academy how did that formulate off the back of listening to these podcasts how did you then transition because obviously you, you were new to the podcast still traveling into town to work and then you've gone, right, I'm going to make the step. I'm going to make the jump and I'm going to formulate this. So what was that process like just for people to get an understanding of what you went through? Really scary. Really <laughs> hard. Yeah. Um, because it's like I never started the whole man Academy to become a business. You know, I, I started it to get guys together to talk. But mm-hmm. like all you learn that doing that isn't enough. Yeah. So. And, and this, you know, will lead on to where we are today. But I mean, it was 2018. Think back how far that was uh, pre all the stuff that's happened in the last few years. Yeah. The first event was 2018. We had 25 guys that came along to it. And I honestly wasn't sure if anybody would turn up because mm-hmm. you know what men are like at 
coming to things. And what you'll know is, of course, I would say men, of course, are very different to women. But often women, when you knowing women that go to events, they'll often take friends with them. Yeah. Whereas men would often just, I mean, very rarely turn up with their mate. They just turn up on their own. And I know that takes a lot more courage and balls, let's say, to go to something on your own when you've never met anyone. It's not something yeah. you've gone to before. Whereas you'd have, you know, the girls events where they be like, oh, I'm taking three of my mates with me. And, and you're yeah. like, oh, right. So for me, the first event was like, oh, this is what's possible. The feedback was great. And then really 2019, it kicked off with, uh, I'm trying to think how many events. I kind of lost track, but about seven, eight, maybe nine events for men, some full day events, some uh, just evening events. And for me, the big thing there was they were all in person. There was no online events at that point. Mm -hmm. And online has its place because you and you know David, Simon, you both know you can connect with people across the yeah. world, yeah. but it's not the same as if we were in no. a podcast studio or whatever. So a lot of the guys loved just getting together, talking in the break, making new connections, having a laugh, talking about any old nonsense that we might come mm -hmm. up with. And you'd have um, professional speakers, or say professional speakers. For me, I was like, I just want to get guys, it could be like you two, to come on with life experience. Yeah. yeah. And we had special forces guys, former professional footballers, um you know international speakers just a real mix of guys um and, and when it got as a fly in the room when it got interesting was that geese and hawks if you do or don't know who geese and hawks is the yeah. Row suit tailor, you know, i think the oldest maybe men's wear brand in in the, the either london or the world or something mm. and someone contacted me through a um i love it how these things happen you know contacted me through another connection said we really like your concept of getting men together we will a sponsor you for a year but also we'll allow you to use number one savile row as a event space for for a few events which is wow yeah massive it's very mm. nice yeah that was real cool because i wanted and i think it's for anybody whoever does any event no matter what it is you want it to be an experience for the people that come along mm. but i didn't want it to be an event where guys come along to a crappy hotel room thing where you know the carpets are swirly and the chairs are all the same and <laughs> I wanted yeah. it to be where it's a bit of a cool experience that you felt comfortable and relaxed and you know it was an aspirational event not like you're going to some help group or something and, and managed to create it with zero expertise but just using a bit of imagination and stuff but anyway 2019 you can sense there was really good momentum i'd started writing the whole man journal which we're now up to 510 articles i've written for for that and uh and obviously 2020 it went to shit to use a technical term yeah and, yeah. It, and it was really hard financially as well but also even forgetting the money because money you can you know you can find money anywhere but you know you can't create momentum like that so i'll pass it back to you to see, see what questions you've got from what i just well, said. i was gonna say it, it, as you said this challenge if we call it that with covid um i suppose you at that point, you'd had such a positive experience of face-to-face -face, uh, events. So, yeah. the the like you say, things went to shit, and you know things got bad. But I was, I remember it's interesting you mentioned Jeeves and Hawks. It didn't get quite as bad as things got for them, I suppose. Like the shirt business, literally uh, nosedive, and I think they're now owned by Mike Ashley. I think actually. But going back to kind of what you were saying what was your initial 
kind of thought that first week, I suppose. I, I suppose from memory, like COVID did kind of creep up a bit, didn't it? It was like there's definitely something going to happen and there was all the news from Italy and things like that. But that first week when things did shut down completely, I suppose, what what was your thought at that point? Uh, it's a really good question because um, I found I was very within a few weeks, I was quite outspoken about lockdowns because I could see the result of what it was going to do. And you yeah. know, unless you're stupid, you now look and you see the NHS waiting list has exploded. Children, yeah. you know, were unfortunately were being taught by people wearing masks. Now, whether you agree yeah. with masks or not, it's going to have a psychological difference for mm -hmm. brain development and talking and etc. You know, you had people in care homes that weren't allowed to see their family. And, you know, so all of that, plus all the money printing. I mean, I, I loved it when I spoke to someone a while ago at, uh, at one of our kind of little village church events. And this was six months ago when the pension funds were, were being bailed out and yeah. they were bailed out for, you know, billions or, you know, <laughs> and they said, uh, all we need to do is just keep printing more money and it will sort it all out. And I said, no, 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 you, you can't just keep printing money. That's all it's going to do is drive inflation. And you look now at where everything mm. is, plus yeah. the interest rates. So all of that, I'm not saying all of it's just been caused by lockdowns, but if you pay millions of people, millions or billions of pounds to not work, it's yeah. going to have an effect. Um, but rabbit holes of that aside, it was it was one of those where, yeah, the first few weeks, none of us knew what was going on. And then I just realized, like all of us, you can either basically sit in your garage, hold your knees and rock backs and forwards and moan yeah. about it, or you can get on with it. So, mm. you know, there's old saying, adapt or die. So I'd always wanted to, or say always, not since I was a kid, but wanted to have my own podcast. And I'd understood the power of it, of also attracting your, let's say, a brotherhood or attracting, let's call it customers for argument's sake. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you can write beautifully crafted things, especially these days with AI, and you mm -hmm. can edit and do it. But when you're on a live thing for an hour, you, you're either you or you're acting. And it's very tiring if you're acting. So yes. I, you know, realized the best thing to do was like, do you know what? Start putting content out there. Um, and you'll, I'm very much about polarization is key. The quicker you can make someone decide if they're looking for transformation, the quicker you can make them decide if they think you're great or you're crap, you're doing them a favor. Because if they think you're great, they'll hopefully listen to your stuff, you know, take action, have some impact in their life and buy your products and be part of your, your kind of movement. If they don't mm -hmm. like you, the quicker you can get rid of them and allow them to go and find who resonate, then you've done them a favor. Mm, mm. Is a good way of looking at not being vanilla with all your content, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I think that's quite a powerful thing because I was just writing down when you put down 510 articles, that's a lot of content. Yeah. Um, what, what inspires your content creation? So how do you formulate that? Because obviously to, to freshen it up and keep finding things that are going to be engaging, uh, do you have a process for that or you know how does that work for you it's a good question i've um to start with no and the good thing was probably like I, i'm guessing you guys might have a few personal development books yep. so i used to sit <laughs> with my bookshelf and i if i lacked you know in, uh inspiration you could just mm. i could literally close my eyes and just go and pick a book out and you'd be like right there's something i would say i'm i'd say i'm a researcher of great men as well mm -hmm. Though I would not just share my views because I'm not, you know, I, I would consider myself, I hate the term expert necessarily, but, you know, after five or six years of this, 
I'm I'm a lot further ahead than a lot of people. Mm. Coach lots of men. I've hosted God knows how many events. I've done 130 podcasts. Um, you know, we have our online quiz, so I get feedback of what's really going on with men. Mm. I've created energy protocol course. You know, I've done corporate talks for all these guys. So I've rolled that together. I've got a lot of kind of mold expertise, if that makes sense. But I always try to make it that you know you'd be like right what are the most common things that men are struggling with that you could help them with hmm. and the more men you spoke to the more little things you found a lot of it came back to confidence financial yeah. things uh sleep and energy when you're a dad or you're an entrepreneur men may be in their 50s who are then looking at their their um careers or their business and thinking I'm either nowhere near I wanted to be or I've done so well that no one understands what it's like and I need a new challenge so mm. back then I didn't have a system. These days I have like a, 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 a digital, not not in my notepad, but I have a thing which literally has every idea that I think of just goes on there. And also it's season, is it? Because this time of year you might talk about, I mean, to state the obvious, coming up to Christmas, some people have stress of trying to buy a Christmas presents. Some people have it where their parents are ill and or they've died and they're not going to see them at Christmas. There's all these different silent struggles yeah. for men. Um but yeah, I, on average, my journals are, let's say, let's say on average, just under a thousand uh, words. So you mm. could say that I'm probably about half a million words I've written on men's health. So I've I've, I've done my bit. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of content. Yeah. Did I suppose when you first started that um, at the beginning of, of COVID, did you uh, obviously those first few um bits of content you created did you ever envisage it would get to the scale it has um what the covid stuff or the actual oh the yeah no the 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 number like you said you've created probably over almost half a million yeah. words like did you ever think you would have that many articles probably or... probably not and and it's one as i guess it's like anything is it if you if you think too far ahead you might overwhelm yourself and do you yeah. know what you guys are with podcasts so i did the um I, I would suggest for anybody that's listening that thinks oh i might want to start a podcast firstly yeah. do it firstly yeah. do it now don't say oh i'll wait till whenever because you know yeah. wait three Never. months you could have had five episodes yeah. and and you'd have learned so much from what episode one what i did was i always go if you want to learn something go to people that are doing better than you if you can mm. afford it i mean there's yeah. a lot of free content so i paid two and a, i don't know two and a half grand for a podcast course with the guy brian rose who hosts london real if you know what podcast that is yeah yeah and, and listen he's um trod a similar path to me i mean prior to me but he worked on wall street worked in in london in the city for icap which is one of my competitors mm. so he's a good one to be like he shows what's possible but basically i realized i loved his content and the way he did things and he would bring on people that had totally different opinions to others but i think that's important because mm -hmm. sometimes I've learned more from listening to people I disagree with than listening to everybody that just says what I think. Um, so I learned a lot, but what he did, and we'll come on to this as well, the importance for people is gave you clarity, focus, and accountability. Because when it's just you, you're like, I'm gonna do a podcast, what should I call it? When should I do it? What should I do it on? How long should it be? Do I need a logo? All that stuff. His thing yeah. was, here's like a 12 or eight week, whatever it is, kind of framework to get you started and i want a report every week on zoom of what you have done what you haven't done and it forced me i love that i think a lot of men like to be when i say told what to do just given a framework to work yes. towards. 
deadlines it, and things like that deadlines yeah it gives you something instead of it's like when you go on holiday isn't it you can get a lot done when you know you're going on holiday because you'll yeah. stay up late and get it done so when we launched his thing was launched now everybody will go oh no because i can't it's not and he's like no fuck that yeah. listen we're launching now and his big thing was people come up to him and say i've got a podcast and you go mm. oh, great that's fantastic how many episodes have you done and they'll go oh like three or five episodes and he's like you haven't got a podcast come yeah. back to me you've got at least 25 mm -hmm. 50 100 and i've said before i remember when i recorded episode 100 that i was like like yeah that's job done. that's 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 <laughs> job done so uh that, so yeah i think that links to what you were saying there because you know obviously me and dave jumped in it we started off with an ai podcast didn't we dave because we were yeah. quite interested in that world and then we got a bit um bored of yeah, it because it's it yeah. just <laughs> a lot of people spouting bullshit about their ai product and yeah. it wasn't really you know resonating with us because you thought it's just people selling and none of the products are that good just yet and um, but that imposter syndrome bit where you think we did just say let's just do it fuck it yeah. you know what's the worst that can happen we'll make mistakes it's not the end of the world uh and you know as you go through it you refine it so how do you approach imposter syndrome because you touched on that earlier um you know going into that different role within the city is that something that you still face and how do you overcome that type of stuff is there strategies that you found useful i i like to keep things simple um building confidence is doing things you find difficult often and, and even if they're little as often as possible and the more and more and even now let's say with uh corporate events and i've spoken at spotify daily mail credit suisse barclays bank lloyd's bank uh, daily mail um domestic in general you know all these different companies but you still sometimes think you you have the butterflies in your stomach mm. but i like to remind myself of do you know what i've done let's just let's just pick up like 50 corporate talks and i've mm -hmm. never had a bad uh <laughs> never had a bad comment uh apart from apart from one guy who said i was it, it was a I got a lot you got a love i love feedback and i love it sometimes when it's ridiculous because people are <laughs> sounds harsh but some people are stupid and my talk at that point was about morning routine and how important it was yeah. like breath work movement drinking something healthy uh, mm -hmm. and planning your day and he said uh something like oh it's it's useful at best and dangerous at worst because it wasn't scientific <laughs> and i was like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah, was been, where was that? Where was uh, that? Who were you speaking to? I'm trying to think which which company it was. Uh, I've done so many and some that you kind of forget. But I just remember that yeah. being funny because on that same thing, <laughs> it reminds everybody. I got like three or four messages set up after on LinkedIn from a from a man or a woman saying, hey, thanks very much. That mm. little thing then is something I, I even a reminder for me to implement. And then yeah. I got the message saying yeah, it wasn't, you know, you didn't you didn't share the science behind it. And I was like, what getting up early you know being yeah. healthy focusing <laughs> but you know you you can't please all the people all the time no. but it goes um, back to those number crunches you mentioned in the city getting turned on by the digits you know yeah. some people's mindset and the way they see the world you go that's so alien towards the way i see the world science is good we know data is good but also it's dull and it doesn't always stack up we know that the science can be um, nonsense so when yeah. people say, well, this paper says that, yeah, but there's two papers over there that say the bloody opposite. So yeah. And who funds you know, the paper? 
There's, who there's funds the, the paper exactly what's their narrative oh it just so happens they have a health and well-being business that they're yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. company or something like that yes, yeah yeah exactly. so yeah uh, and like you say you're always going to have dissenters and people aren't really going to resonate with you but do they really count it's nice to get feedback because it gives you perspective but ultimately are they going to be someone that wants to be part of what where you're going and what they're involved in um yeah. I, I, I doubt it i doubt it very much yeah. Well, Simon, um, so that comes yeah go on back to the thousand true fans concept if you've heard of that before yeah um you know and that that for me i've talked i found it that helpful and i've talked to some people that are in the they're trying to build some kind of audience and i say it takes the pressure off you a bit because for me I, i'm not interested in i know people with millions of followers and mm. don't get wrong it's useful but it can be a real pain in the ass as well yeah. and for the thousand true fans for me it's like you know what let's say today's email i sent out you know within half an hour like 240 men have opened the email now because we've got like a high open rate of like 53 percent which i i never understood but people be like oh that's really good I'm like, is, is it good, yeah. <laughs> for me it's like no it's not why isn't everyone opening my email yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the nature of the beast but i realized that instead of me trying to have you know a hundred thousand people on my email list and a million followers actually i could kind of tell you all the people especially in our membership we've got people assume that oh you must want there people are very much oh what's the numbers and how much are you going to make from it and i was like no no because if you have a shitload of people coming on you have no idea who these people are mm -hmm. whereas for us we launched it three or well, two and a half months ago it closed midnight last night and we got including me's 19 men in there so i know every single one of them have they mm -hmm. got kids what their silent struggles are, uh, you know, where they live, probably how much they earn. I know what they need to be working on now, and I can continue with all that. Whereas if you had 50 men join, I, I'm like, I, I haven't got the time. You'd have to get more mm. people. So mm -hmm. it's not always numbers. I mean, to an extent, if your mortgage has got to be paid, but sometimes it's like, I rather a slow burn and the more, um, what's the personable approach than just, let's see as you know get as many people in as we can mm -hmm. what do you think will be the i suppose a workable like maximum of people in the group do you think that's a really i i got asked this question uh just this lunchtime because i i've I, i've realized that the more you get around people that are where you want to be or are moving in the same direction the better you know and it's not to say you shouldn't speak to old friends and stuff like that and yeah. some men and women are quite happy and that's great to do their job their nine to five job for argument's sake come home have dinner watch the telly which is mm -hmm. all rubbish anyway but you know look at the news believe the news is real um and that's it and just get to the weekend and i'm like great we kind of need those people as well to do that yeah. stuff but also for me i'm like i want to be in, around men that are driven to succeed mm -hmm. and not necessarily monetarily for some it's like they've got quite a lot of money but they want more freedom because we've said about the trappings of success some people like when i say the trappings of success are those things that trap you in to thinking yeah. you're successful like the big house the kids at private school the expensive car the watch all this stuff all great but example in the city i saw men who hated and i mean hated their job in the mm. end who slept in separate beds to their wife because they were you know disjointed marriage but stayed together for the kids 
But mm. on the outside, you'd say, look, this guy earns, let's just say, 100 grand a year. He's got two nice, you know, a BMW and a whatever. He, uh, you know, has got two lovely kids, a big house in a affluent area. Life's good. And then you speak to him. He's like, I fucking hate my life. I'm completely lost. Yeah. And you go, but you've yeah. got loads of money. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, guys, it's not, you know, money's very helpful and it's uh, it's very useful and it gives you some opportunities if it's used in the right way. But, it, you know, it's no surprise to say it's not the be all and end all. Because mm. I quite like the Japanese sort of philosophy of Ikigai. I haven't gone into any depth in it, but I've always liked the the summary, which I, I quote quite a lot is, you know, do something you enjoy that helps others that earn, earns you money. Mm. You know, for me, I always see that as the basis of things, because if you've got those three things in your life, then you're going to feel that more success. And then when, how does it then branch out into your wider life to go, right, OK, well, what does this look like for my personal thing? Because it almost links to Stephen R. Covey's sort of, you know, habits of highly effective yeah. people, doesn't it? Around, you know, what do effective people do? Um, you know, because you can say you fall into the trap of wealth is the goal. Um, but I'm just reading that book and me and David touched on it by um, Robert Kiyosaki around Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah. where you go, the middle class are getting squeezed even more and more and more. And they're in that rat race. Very fine way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's pressure. There's a lot of pressure on them because instead of the tax being paid by others, because they have greater tax accountants and know how to uh, use yeah. the system, people getting taxed at source obviously sit, feel that pressure. Um, you know, and then have to chase additional income to try and maintain that outward, you know, success. Um, and I, I think that probably ties into some of the things about the Wellman Academy. How do you help those guys who think, I feel squeezed, I feel pressured, this isn't fulfilling for me? Because yeah. um, I've got I've written down here about your quiz and how did you formulate that quiz and the questions to then give you the data you're looking for? And how do you then use that data to help that person who submitted that form? What's that look like for you? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And it's something I would say I wish I'd have done years ago. It's like all of us. If you'd have, you know, if you had your time again, you'd do certain things differently mm. or that other things you wouldn't do at all. But the one thing I struggled with was like lead generation, like lead capture, because yeah. just asking for someone to sign up for a journal or a Holman Academy um, e-letter mm. It's the guys that are on it enjoyed it and you know get valuable content from it but for a lot of people like we all know we're bombarded with requests for our email address yeah. and then um i don't know do you know who a guy called daniel Priestley is i've so, heard of him yeah, yeah yeah so he's the ceo of dent global which takes companies and kind of helps them um you know magnify their ability if that makes sense and um he i had him on the podcast and i was generally nervous that he was the first guy that when i heard he was accepted i was like yes and i was like shit like yeah. what if i make a cock of myself because i'd always been an employee and when you're going yeah. to talk yeah. to someone that say and i called it an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial mastermind you know the little boy inside's like please don't say something stupid yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so because I, I respect him and i wanted him to like me and not think i was asking stupid questions so um but long story short he um is one of the founders of something called score app and i would suggest mm. that you guys might know but for anybody in business it's a very very good and very cost effective tool so for me what i realized is we all love how can put it analyzing ourselves and quizzes and stuff like that so the big thing was how can we create a quiz that basically breaks down 
the, the the 10 major sectors of a man's life so let's just say relationships finance health fitness um you know your career mm-hmm. network a few different ones but ultimately you also realize people are time poor so you can't ask them to fill in some 100 uh, question quiz because your completion rate will be shite so yeah. it was listen give me one minute you know yeah. it usually on average it actually takes people about two minutes and three seconds but anyway give me one minute to answer these multiple choice questions which will basically be how are you financially you know is it you're comfortably well off you're loaded you're completely broke or you're okay but could do with more and those 10 questions which again it's like read it press read it press in one minute what would it then do was organically create um three bits of and this is why it's important it's not just some generic you get everybody gets the same answers if Simon, you said financially I'm great, but physically I'm I'm less than great, and yeah. David said, well, actually I'm completely opposite. Depending on how you scored, like low, medium, or high, you'll get three bits of inf- or advice completely mm. based around your low, medium, or high. So if you're like, Do you know what, I've got loads of money already, it will say, okay, well, here's some higher level advice on what else you could do. If you're broke, it'll be like, first thing to do is work out how much money's coming in and out. So yeah. all ten questions <laughs> get completely organic individual advice and to answer your question of how i got the answers um my hundred and now 30 podcasts i took a lot of the advice that i got from special forces guys ceos crypto experts all these different you know strength and additioning experts footballers and Mm -hmm. some of that i plugged into it and the other stuff i researched it myself it's like what's the simple actionable advice to help a man read it and go shit that's a that's a good idea and what that gives is you know in the last three months had like 70 men go through it which for some people be like that's not a lot but if you stood mm. those men together and said here's 70 men that have taken the time to answer and the last question which doesn't go against the score but the last question is what's going on for you right now mm-hmm. and be completely honest because i don't care what you say like i want to know and some of the answers are mind-blowing because people will say men will say I've never told any or no one else knows this because I don't want to tell my wife that I'm financially in trouble. You know, my family wouldn't want to know. My colleagues will probably be glad I'm doing bad. You know, just all these different things that for a lot of men, that's their silent struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I completed it today, actually. I, I, I wanted right. to try it out. Yeah. I wanted Good. to see it and I got my results through. And, you know, I've then just because I've been working all day like we, we, we probably all have. I've now just got to revisit them and have a look at that because I always find those diagnostic tools quite useful um, just to see what aligns with what I already knew about myself. But what actually could be slightly different or a blind spot for me where I thought, oh, yeah, I haven't really considered that before, uh, especially with my health condition. Like I mentioned to you recently, I've had colitis and just how that saps your energy. And you have to start thinking of more innovative ways to try and live to earn money because that grind, you couldn't do the grind, you know, when you're unwell. And I think that stimulus for me, that's why I'm seeking out lots of different types of opportunities that you discuss, because it just makes sense to go, well, there's other ways to, you know, achieve things. And I need to broaden my bandwidth about, well, what does that look like? You know, why am I uh, a bit naive to the world? around certain things and how you can generate things and i think this oh, is a, uh, that's a another great thing yeah so, so yeah. my partner um i'm just making sure my out of office is on 
and my, my partner emma um is a naturopathic nutritionist um so she works through the whole man academy with men let's say mm. who've got health issues weight issues etc etc and i think one of the big takeaways for me from my learnings from all the in-depth stuff that she's learned is that you know there's so many natural remedies for things mm. but of course you can't package them up and charge people lots of money for them so yeah so so big pharma doesn't like those and they actively yeah. ban groups who i mean I, i'm not joking when we've seen it where you'd have like facebook groups of natural health practitioners who would you know be showing really good stuff and there'd be maybe thousands on there and facebook deletes the whole group yeah yeah massively I, it's i and it's simon i anthony we we've um just some i suppose background information that probably our listeners don't know about and things like that good. as well it gets good we we have had numerous issues with spotify uh <laughs> censoring our content yeah. so we are in the process well we're, actually we're going to move everything over to acast this weekend and i think this episode uh i think we've got no chance <laughs> in yeah. terms of the yeah. topics we've talked about well, that's a good thing. i'm not moaning yeah. that's a very what good are the thing topics? so this is very i think this is really important yeah. i was on an hour and a half webinar last night with with yeah. men it was all about men's masculine yeah. to be to be honest, I get bored of talking about what is masculinity because, to be honest, I've got more important things to talk about. I, yeah. I'm like, I couldn't give a fuck what you think masculinity is or you mm. don't. I just want to help you move forward in yeah. life. Like, we can yeah. sit there and piss I know you're ever going to win that argument, yeah. That's it. And, and <laughs> you know, everybody's got a different version of what it is. So I'm like, great, just shut up and get on with it. Let's move yeah. on moving forward. But I'm very interested in what the topics are so we don't have to necessarily go down the rabbit hole of the topics, but what are the topics yeah. that you would say are the most uh, uh, flame-grilled ones at the moment? Well, but it was COVID, Dave, wasn't COVID it? We was had one with issue, suicide yeah. that we didn't give a yeah. pre-warning that we were talking to someone who was suicidal. Yeah. And uh, then also, um, what, what's the one you just mentioned? Big Pharma would probably yeah. be the next one. I imagine that's where, <laughs> where, yeah, a bell, yeah. You know, they would start to go, well, we can't have people expressing an opinion about that, even though, I, you know, the medications How, that I'm on, yeah, I, I would love to get away from uh, having to take pharmaceuticals because yep, yeah. I just think it's to make me a good pill taker, and I don't think it's about making me well. Um, that, that's my opinion. You're, you're a customer. Yeah, that's it, and keep him coming back for more, and yeah. I, I don't want that. So, yeah, natural uh, remedies. You know, I'm starting to reach out to someone in my local area who might be able to guide me with lifestyle and diet as well, um, and that's the route I, I am going down because you think, well, actually – you look at the value that they could offer your life. Yes, it's probably pricey, but as you said, do you want the cheap seats where you've got a queue for ages or do you want your health to be fast-tracked to a, a good yeah. place? And sometimes investing in that. And I think people, I, I remember speaking to a life coach once. He said, look, would you buy yourself a brand new car for 10 grand? Uh, and, and the guy he was talking to said, yeah. And he said, well, why wouldn't you invest that time in your, yourself? Why wouldn't you spend that money on you? Um, you know, and I think that's vital. So, sorry, Dave, to cut across you there. So what were you going to chip in? No, I, I was just saying it's uh, I, I think the other part and just <laughs> take it an another notch up in terms of conspiracy stuff. Keep going, Dave. The, Keep going. the big the big <laughs> element that kind of that was killing us was the, they obviously use like some sort of AI or oh, yeah. automated like pattern stuff. So when we first kind of got, um, I suppose, not suspended, but just kind of in a holding pattern if we call it that was around covid and actually the con the, the episodes that kind of were flagged 
we actually, I think it was literally the word COVID was yeah. mentioned. There was no like kind you of anything. Deeper. Yeah, there was literally nothing. And then that was it. It was just kind of like, well, what have we said? And then it's you know just, it was weird. I think it's really important to talk about this because a lot of people don't realise how much stuff has been and still is, but has been yeah. censored. And mm. and I've said before, and I, I was on a podcast a few weeks ago um, where at the end the chap said to me, it's really refreshing to have someone that will come and talk openly and honestly yeah. because a lot of people will be like, oh, I just don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, no, no, no. The the stuff you don't want to talk about is yes. the stuff people want to need to need to hear and want to hear. Yeah. So yeah, I saw it the same. You know, I had friends, and um, you know that if you just had an alternative view, which now has been shown to be completely correct, if that mm. makes sense. Mm. But mm. you got censored, shadow banned, deleted, deplatformed. PayPal took away your, you know, PayPal deleted people's accounts. Yeah. All of that that happened. Um, so, and some people, if they didn't understand, would be like, "What? What? What? I didn't know." And yeah. you'd be like, "We'll just be clear that I'm an adult." last time mm -hmm. I checked I, I don't always act like one but so for yeah. me I want you to show me no matter what topic we're talking about show me everything and I'll make up my own mind about yeah. mm -hmm. what I wear what I listen to what things you might allow in or near your body <laughs> yeah yeah and then I'll make my decision don't say we're gonna keep you safe we'll mm. we'll delete anybody that says something uh anti um you know what the the narrative is so it's a it's a most divisive topic. And the other big one is, you know, if you talk about um, transgender issues, that that yeah. gets flagged up. Um, yeah. I could go down all these. Rabbit holes. And, and also for, for schooling as well. Mm. So yeah. the, the shit that kids are being taught at school is and I'll say this is a technical term. It's fucking outrageous what they are being taught at school, especially yeah. sex education, They're like disgusting what they're trying to force onto teenagers and i know mm -hmm. this, i know this firsthand um and it's shocking and when you go down the rabbit hole of where that the let's call it the content the syllabus comes from it's not a nice place to go yeah and uh, you know and there's a lot of this happening in america isn't there around transgenderism pushing this agenda um the, t the content in schools like you say about how they could even perform fellatio on someone at a young age and how it's almost encouraged and then beat the blockers the puberty blockers and you know i've heard horrible things about canada where actually they would say um the children should make their own choice uh, and they could be 10 11 12 and you yeah. think well how have they even formulated that sort of um concept we wouldn't let them vote but would let them make a decision on that and sometimes these people who are starting to consider transgender they may have additional uh things going on with them as well where they they need guidance to support even more mm. than someone else uh, and like you say you go down that that rabbit hole and that's where the conspiracy theorist stuff and people start to throw it at you but you think there's got to be no smoke without fire you know it, well, there is things there you know so you they try to cover it up for for the you know kids actively being encouraged i think for most people when you talk to them and, and you know i speak to a lot of men most of us let's just say men couldn't give a fuck what someone wants to yeah be known yeah. as right yeah it's it's but don't try and push it on other people and mm -hmm. my thing is it's you can't normalize it it isn't normal it's a very 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 small minority so yeah. again you do you but when you realize that it is being filtered through to children 
And you saw all the issues with, you know, drag shows and parents, mental parents taking their children to drag shows and thinking it was, I don't even know where to start, Corn Energy. These people like need help, to be honest. Yeah. And if they don't need help, they need their hard drive checking. Yeah. So it's a very, very interesting time. And I, again, I have, um, I literally was talking about this morning with some schools, which I know that are putting just horrendous content mm. uh, on the kids. And a lot of parents, the problem is they won't, go, they either don't realise they're being taught it or they can't be asked to go and, and say, mm. what the fuck are you teaching my kids? So yeah. it's, a, it's a very interesting time to be alive. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I picked up on earlier that you said that you're homeschooling your children. And is that part of the rationale behind why you do that? You're going, I want to be the one who oversees what my child is exposed to. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at this and going, well, actually, if you've spoken to all these really great people around the world, actually, the learnings from them and what children would benefit from would probably be far greater, you know, than what they're getting taught in school. You know, yeah. going back to Robert Kiyosaki, he goes, look, school's great. It gives you stuff. But does it prepare you for the world? Mm. And I think, you know, I wrote down here, you know, what do children need? How does the whole man concept maybe fulfill some of that about, well, our children probably need an exposure to alternatives to help that critical thinking to go. Yeah. Let me just not digest what I'm being told. Let me analyze that. And what are the skills I need? How do I become financially savvy? That's going to help me for the world. And, you know, what does that look like? So have you give that much thought? Because I, I thought that was oh, quite interesting when you mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? And, and just to go back to your point, which is really good. What do children need? Well, firstly, a strong father hmm. and mother and kids. I would say look up to mummy first because mummy, in theory, you know, they come out of her. And the first thing they need is, is mummy's skin touch and her kisses and her milk and her love and everything else. Mm -hmm. But next up is is that. And if they've got a pathetic father or no father at all, I interviewed a, um, I always get his title wrong. It might be a psychotherapist um, called James Hawes, who talks about the wound of the father. And he said something like 90, 95% of all the men that he works with, nearly 95% of those, it's it goes back to some issue with either the dad was there but was fucking useless or he wasn't there and they had a complete void and you know male and female energy mums could do their best and do incredible work but yeah. mummy can't have the male energy it's mm. just impossible and we can be as calm and whatever but we haven't got the nurturing energy maybe that the feminine side has and yeah. most kids need a bit of both mm -hmm. and if you grew up without a dad i've said all of, if not nearly all of my mates that grew up with, I, I would say anger issues, the ones that were always fighting, you know, always, mm. if you said, can you guess who ended up fighting in Maidstone Town Centre tonight or whatever, you'd go, this person, this person, this person. Yeah. And it wasn't a one-off. And you notice all of them either had a dad who wasn't around or a dad who was crap, basically. Mm. So yeah. you said, what do kids need? Firstly, awake parents who understand how the world works, how big pharma works, how the food works how how you know people make a lot of money out of war and mm -hmm. that's that's you know the, the um that industrial complex is a big money making mincemeat machine so yeah. the other issue with kids is it's allowing them to grow and not fit into a box of right today you're going to learn one hour of this one hour of this one hour mm -hmm. of this, and then the bell rings and you go 
for our kids and the masses of home educated kids we know sometimes they'll be completely lost in something for ages and to say halfway through right stop let's go and they'll be like no i'm uh, yeah. you know i'm i'm creating something the yeah. other thing is commonly you can tell i could talk a lot about the this stuff as well but for the home ed stuff a common one for a lot of people will be firstly well how will they um socialize learn to socialize and you say i was going to say that was a question that was coming in my head so look, that, look, I suppose that's the... let's say a six-year-old child and he goes to school who did you spend all day with one or two mates that he likes the most yeah. i imagine and they're all what six years old yeah yeah and are they learning from each other not really yeah. because they're no. all the same if that makes sense yeah. whereas mm. when they're homeschool you'll have like our little newborn baby the older kids are learning to nurture the baby and our four-year-old they're learning how four-year-olds work the four-year-olds are learning how 12-year-olds work and they all end up intercombining and learning from each other if that mm -hmm. makes sense yes yeah. you're not constrained by um today we drove 45 minutes to go to uh something with all these kids from all different areas whereas generally kids are in school just doing the same thing and let's be honest kids at school was created to create worker bees mm -hmm. you know, going back to the war you know the ministry of education it was not there to create enlightened individuals it was to create worker bees who can either work with their hands or work with their brain behind a computer and you go to school to learn to get there at nine o'clock when the bell rings you sit down shut up you do what you're told and you all wear the same thing so you're all in uniform yeah <laughs> and you can when you go home you can go home and do a bit more homework which is just ridiculous as well so the big thing for me is i appreciate it's really hard it's really really it's very hard in homeschooling depending mm. on your situation but i see i would do anything to make sure that we homeschool our kids so none of that decision started with the shit that goes on with what they're being taught at the moment but mm. that that is like a nail in the coffin for what what is going on and a lot of parents uh, and I know them like we say listen I wouldn't know where to start with homeschooling because I don't know how it works and it was the same for us but once mm -hmm. you understand it's really really important and there's several of the most switched on people having to be men that I know in the world they're one of their messages is if you can don't send your kids to school mm -hmm. yeah I, I suppose one question I have around it is and I have uh, a friend that she has homeschooled her kids um but it got to a stage where she actually put her kids into school. And mm. that stage was kind of as you get towards like your GCSE type things where you have to, the, I suppose where she hit limits was there's the amount of hoops she had to jump through. It just became unmanageable because, yeah. you, you know, like having to deal with like exams and the exam boards and stuff. Is there a point, I suppose, where you, would you put your children into school at any point or do you think never if i could help it but do you know what it's a, yeah. it's a really good point that because what are exams are mm, they a true time. Test of, <laughs> time for me i find are they a true test of uh, someone's ability or are they who can memorize as much stuff as possible and then and then regurgitate it on a bit of paper mm. yeah so yeah and, and don't be wrong you know i went through the whole school system and i most people i know did but i didn't know then what i know now um so it's it's not to say for us that we wouldn't ever put our kids in but for yeah. us it's about ev imagine every day saying to child what do you want to learn what are you interested in today mm, yeah and one of them is totally interested in one thing one of them will spend hours on like woodwork and that's how he'll learn his numbers not by sitting 
from a chalkboard but being like right where's my ruler i'm counting i'm working on stuff yeah yeah one thing i will say just the same as covid the trans something it triggers some people mm. yeah. i have to be careful because don't worry, it is hard and for some parents they couldn't homeschool because you've got to go and earn money yeah. yeah and you could almost say that the economy has been just deliberately destroyed you know from a, a, a child could look at what's the way the economy is now and the way it's been created and, and run and be like well i thought the experts were supposed to be in control <laughs> yeah yeah but you could say there's multiple things one is you know small business owners and middle class people are being completely screwed um and what does that create the dependency on the government Mm. which is why universal basic income was piloted as a scheme in wales because you say look don't work anymore we'll just pay you we'll just pay you a small amount of money but of course you've got to do whatever we say yeah yeah and if they bring in the central digitized banking crypto stuff um you know there's lots of theories around that and how they can turn it off and on if that does go down oh, yeah. the route and it's starting to look like those things are are slipping into place through the vanguards the block rocks and uh, these other yeah. big organizations and I think going back to education, you know, my background is a football coach educator. I used to work for the FA. You know, it's, a, it's one of the things that I'm really interested in. I always found that there is an innate element in people, an intrinsic motivation for things that they're interested in. You learn what you're interested in and you get good at what you're yeah. interested in. It, it's not. Um, uh, I've got this plethora of stuff, you know, Hastings 1066, blah, 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 blah. Nonsense that you don't really need. Um <laughs> It is more a case of, isn't it? When I work in this role, I get good at it because I'm doing it every day. I, I learn how to refine it, shape it and move forward. And um, I, I think that's the big thing I'm trying to do with my own child, my son, is to say, well, look, this is why we started the podcast, the, the uh, AI one, wasn't it? Around we want to learn a little bit about this because that's the future. Yeah. That's, that's not going to go away. But they ain't going to get taught that in school. So how do we become a bit savvy to try and have conversations with our children in and around it? And then learning more about, well, we, you need to learn how to earn money, mate. If you learn how to earn money, then you've got security. You'll be confident about how to do that, which gives you that freedom that you've touched on earlier about, well, actually, when I've got freedom, I can dictate what my life looks like and how I go forward with that. It's so, so important. Yeah, it, it's hugely important. And I suppose I know at the moment you're focused more on the the, the, the men um, element. Would you ever dip down to support children or parents with things? Or does that already happen as part of the Wellman Academy uh, it, with the conversations that you have? It's a good question, because what uh, the way I see it, if I can, I mean, not all the men that I deal with are dads, uh, yeah. but, you know, a fair percentage of them but then again a lot of those men even if they're not dads they might have nephews nieces etc mm -hmm. etc but for me it's like and, and and you were talking about it there for a lot of the guys that are in the whole man academy they want to earn more money because they can also see that with ai jobs will be taken you know it doesn't take a brain surgeon to look now and be like there's certain jobs that either won't necessarily disappear but will certainly yeah you know less need for example copywriters i know someone who worked for a company where they had let's say five copywriters now they just have one because that person can use ai and do the work of five people um so for me it's about helping a man find the drive which not is always isn't always easy to do the mm. drive to go and work on whatever he wants whether it be a health issue or a financial issue or his relationship but the financial one comes up a lot because who doesn't want more money and you've seen in the last three years, 
you know, we had friends who worked for companies. I'd have been a disaster if I'd have worked for a company because with what happened in the three years, you know, being told what you should or shouldn't do would have been an mm. interesting conversation. But what they found was you might be happy in your job, but when all the issues started happening about whether you, you know, wear masks and all that stuff, and they were like, well, I'm not, and the company didn't try and squeeze you and make it hard for you, you think, well, hold on a minute, I need this job, so I'm going to have to do what I'm told. Hmm. And that might be easy as a child, but as a 30, 40 or 50 year old man who's you know got any level of pride, being told what to do and what to wear or you can't do this and that isn't isn't something that most of us want to be part of. So for me, um, with a lot of the men, interestingly, some kind of side hustle, let's let's use that. Mm. as a term. And yeah. if you don't mind, I'll give you a great example of with the network, which we launched one of the guys. Um, I'm big on starting simple, but starting with something and taking some steps and he jumped on the um we have like twice monthly zoom calls like mastermind calls and accountability tools and stuff and he said i've been thinking about in short writing an ebook which he could then produce on sale and make some money from it and basically long story short he hadn't but for me i was like right one night a week give me one night a week where you say to the wife listen after the kids gone to bed or whatever i'm in the spare room or in my office i'm working on it please don't don't ask me to help you don't whatever i'm doing this for you and the family and me mm -hmm. so within three weeks he's now written the <laughs> written the book that he's taken him a long time to sent me through and the point is it's not about the ebook it's about the accomplishment of realizing what's possible now we yeah. can use ai to i literally have the tool to just put that e drop that ebook in and it will create it in an instant mm -hmm. and if he wants to he could then sell it for a no sale no fee on gum road or somewhere yeah. and start making money if it's any good or mm -hmm. he could use it to become a key person of influence in his sector we all know if you say here's jeff and he's a lawyer on his brian his twin brother but he produces uh, a monthly newsletter and has written two books like it or not people like oh this guy must be better he can probably charge more because he's published content mm -hmm. so for me it's about he's an example of that guy that it's not rocket science but he could have done those things for for years but he hasn't but now he's got the accountability the clarity the focus and the kick up the ass he's now produced something that he can now kind of generate something else from i think it would you say a lot of the men and on that kind of theme a lot of the men that are interested in what you're offering are they looking to i suppose jack in the nine to five grind and they're looking for that freedom i suppose or or you know they're looking for something that's a bit more fulfilling is is that is that the majority of the men that, that you're you're meeting or is there other motivators i suppose it's a good question there's there's a mix you've got some guys that have got a business and are financially comfortable that are yeah. basically saying I'm, I'm just bored yeah so money's not an issue you know money's not the burning issue as it were but they all wouldn't mind more money especially yeah. now we said with interest rates you know i i know people now that had a big house and a medium-sized mortgage and maybe a grand and a half left over each month which is always yeah. nice and now that's gone because the mortgages yeah. they just remortgaged at six percent instead of what they did at whatever it was yeah mm. suddenly you're like oh like i was comfortable and now you start thinking do i downgrade my car so a lot of the men not necessarily want to leave their job but would like some kind of side hustle slash side income and also yeah. i think it's important it has to be digital really mm. yeah because you can't scale the rest of it because it takes your you can't get a part-time job because you know yes if you're desperate for money that's going to be helpful but you're going to get the amount of money you're going to get is by the amount of hours 
but trading yeah. time for money is something that a lot of men and i did it for years so don't get me wrong and i work very long hours now but i love what i do if that makes mm. sense but it's i don't think there's ever been a more important time to be financially independent and also an easier time in the fact that you can use ai for so much stuff now and I, I think linked to that um redundancy you touched on it ai could replace jobs and i know you wanted to circle back to redundancy i was made redundant from the fa in 2020 during covid um massively destroyed uh, a career that i'd worked for and i was really passionate about and wanted to make a difference couldn't get back in because it was quite a niche role that you, you can't find out elsewhere yeah. so what sort of stories do you hear around redundancy and you know the impact of that because i honestly believe that whole time was the contributing factor to my health uh condition starting yeah. um, and i don't know if that's something you've heard as well um or you know redundancy what was the thing that you wanted to circle back on that yeah it's a it's a huge topic because if you've never faced redundancy i think the older you get the harder it is because mm. you know like it or not men that are let's say in their late 40s 50s unless you've got a big fat pot of money in the bank account to suddenly go to another job that pays you what you know what you're earning if you're earning good money to maintain the lifestyle of what the like it is you know the, the wife the house the car the watch the holidays all that kind of stuff and i i kind of segment it but i know so i've been made redundant twice i was very mm -hmm. lucky first time i kid you not i got i got made redundant the whole the entire trading desk did so i worked for abb we were making good money as a trading desk there was maybe 16 traders um, but basically, the let's call it the parent company, um, in short, bought another company, a small company, but also took on all their liability for a asbestos claim. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the, as <laughs> the asbestos claim, I think they thought, I mean, I don't know much about it because I was young and kind but I think they thought it was going to be like millions and it, it went to like a billion, you know, just something colossal. And they just said, which wasn't very clever, but we're going to cut all risk trading. So we're going to cut anything that's risky. Because if you you know if you can make money on that you could lose money, and great example our colleagues that were thinking Zurich can't remember wherever, but I think there was four traders there had made like twenty million that year already between them. They were the first ones to get cut, so mm -hmm. they made the entire desk everything got made redundant, and I was in trouble then because I hadn't been in that role to build up a to connections and a network to to go and look for another job. And it was the day people will love this the day that i bought literally exchanged contracts on my first uh, flat with my then girlfriend was the day we got called in and they played a video from like whatever the guy was out in fucking zurich or something saying you know oh really you know he's probably a multi you know a multi 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 million we're really sorry but basically you're all out of a job yeah and i phoned her and i literally remember being like hey she's like why are you phoning me it's like 11 in the morning i was like yeah <laughs> been made redundant and she's like what the fuck are we going to do now and i was like i have no idea yeah i don't know anyway i was very lucky we all got a really good payoff yeah. so and they found me a, a few of us went to another job so but honestly if i hadn't have had that i don't know i had nothing else if yeah that makes sense. now fast forward to when i got made redundant the the second time I wanted to be made redundant. The company were brilliant. They found me other roles, but we were just like, Do you know what? This is the right time. I got offered one or two roles, but I knew I didn't want to go. So that for me was like, I celebrated going. Mm. But I know guys that have been made redundant. It's a complete shock. They can't get another job doing what they're doing, or if they, 
they can they've got to wait six months or you know because you have gardening leave yeah and it can be really hard because suddenly you've got no purpose mm. and I, i've said before when i write about redundancy on linkedin i don't want sob stories of redundancy i want actionable things of how people navigated it but mm. it gets a lot of reaction and interaction because i remember i would the second time I got made redundant, I'd walk Emma to the station because she was still working at the same company. She'd get a six o'clock train in the morning. So I'd walk her to the station and I'd probably have my tracksuit on and I'd walk back past all the men and you know a few women, but mostly men coming this way. They're always suited in the boots like I was. Mm. Really weird because I was like, when I walked in the door, I'd shut the door and it's 10 past six and it's pitch black. And I'm like, what do I do now? Because yeah. I had no nothing to do, no structure, money in the bank. And mm. it, it was like I'd never experienced that in 20 years. So redundancy, I think, is you know, the sooner you can know that you're being redundant, the better, because you need to be prepared yeah. for it, basically. Do you, do you think, I suppose, in that vein, um, do you think you've always, it, and it, I don't know, I, this is probably me speaking my view rather than asking the question. Do you always have to have a sense of paranoia I, I don't mean extreme paranoia. Like obviously, we we've talked yeah. about some other things where there's yeah. But do you mean you know? I mean, you've always got to kind of work on that basis. And I suppose I've seen this probably in the last year or so with my wife. Um, not so much with my wife, but with other new mums that she met through like baby groups and stuff like that. It's not a case of them being made redundant, but what they find is when they go through the process of. Um, going on maternity leave and stuff like that the penny drops that those companies they work for don't give a fuck about them because literally it they literally will the goalposts goal move everything under the sun changes yeah. and i know from speaking to people before and kind of when they're during maternity leave, the whole view of of their you know i suppose their employer or their whole working environment they have before just changes dramatically uh, yeah. and, and I suppose the, the, the blanket cover for that is all things change when you have a child, but it's not the child, it's the company. You then, the penny drops, they don't really care. Like, that's the thing. And I, then it goes back to the redundancy thing. Yeah, it's all I, interlinked, isn't it? They couldn't I've give heard men say, I, I never thought they'd get rid of me. And, and I'll short it, you know, I, I, I thought I was too valuable for them to get rid of. Yeah. And then they find they were like the first one to go because actually they were on the biggest salary. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it, I know it comes down to performance, but sometimes it's like, do you know what? Let's trim the top few and try well and build the yeah, other ones yeah. up. But I have a saying, which is there's no friends at work, only colleagues. Mm. Yeah. And even um, my partner, Emma, I know she made the mistake when she left the city. And there's one or two people she'd be like, oh, we, you know, we're such great friends and we'll stay in touch. And I was like, you'll never fucking hear from them again. Or you might once or twice, but then that will be it. And, and I get it. It's like, when you leave, you're completely out of that. You know, you're, you're out of the game, basically. Mm. And that's why when people get made redundant, if you've got something to go to, you can be relaxed. And I spoke to someone recently who, a man who got made redundant quite a few months ago. And the mistake you can make is, oh, I've got ages to look for another job mm. because you've got a payoff. So the first two months, you can be like, I just chill, do some painting at home, or, you know, just maybe go on a holiday, or whatever. But then you come back and try and get in the game and realize that people forget about you. Not always, mm. but, you know, well, they filled the positions. And then suddenly three months in, your wife's like, when, what, what's going on? And you're like, haven't got any interviews. 
the the um, egg timer of money is yeah. slow. The sand's dripping away. And the more that goes away, unless you've got a load of cash in the bank, and even then you're like, I've got a lot going out and not much coming in. And then you become desperate. And then you're not in a position of strength to turn down that job you don't want. You end up taking yeah. something you need and you're back in the same fucking position that you were to start with. Yeah, yeah, huge. I mean, because I actually sold my house. We moved to Spain. We bought a place out there. And then our little lad didn't, um, you know, settle. So we come back. And then the, the world back here has changed so much, um, you know, and the, the prices of everything went through the roof. And you think, oh, right, we've got to start from scratch again. We've got to look at different things. Um, but then the positives can start to come out of it. Like you say, you start to shift your mindset and you go, I've got to find solutions around this because I'm not going to find the job, especially in the world where I was in football. It's changed very much to certain demographics being prioritized over uh, the roles that they want to offer people. And if you are a white middle aged man, unfortunately, you won't fill that brief. Yeah. And I think, you know, it comes back to that's the reality of the world in a lot of places. Um, and it's trying to go, well, OK, they're this, the, the chips that have been stacked against me. How do I find a solution? Is that another common thing that you're hearing of that people are, are facing yeah. this demographic sort of issue that? is now feeling like well why are we being persecuted at the moment doesn't make sense yeah and it's funny because the people that have pushed those rules are white men and funny enough <laughs> who are you know at, at the very top let's call it uh, you know the the globalists as it were yeah. but all it also does is it creates division and what i would say is people like people like themselves mm. we gravitate towards people that are like us and if you then, great example, you know, we're in a little sleepy Cotswolds village, but if you um, create, and I, people, there's a big push for diversity and let's be inclusive and diverse and bring as many people in as different as possible. But you look, even at schools, you'll often have uh, the, the different groups of ethnicities that all stick together. And you mm -hmm. probably find that their families all stick together as well because people like people like themselves. Why yeah. is it that Birmingham, you know, when you go to Birmingham, you feel a completely outsider if you're white. Nothing wrong with that. But you realise because people gravitate towards their own customs and values and, you know, family kind of, uh, you know, family values as much as everything else. So it's funny. I look at with the whole man academy when I talk privately to a lot of men, they say exactly the kind of stuff you say. But the mm. sad thing is they say, I can't voice those opinions in the outside world because there's always someone waiting around the corner to be offended. Yeah, 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 and I think with offence, it is that person's problem, um, and it takes confidence, doesn't it, to say, "But that's your you problem. That's not a me problem." Yeah, I, I'm not deliberately going out to offend you by living the way that I live, um, but I think this whole offence agenda and how people feel entitled to be able to say, "Well, because I'm offended, it means I'm more important." You know, just a daft one on this that you might find interesting. My son's doing home economics the other day, making a pizza. He wanted to put cheese and ham on it. We gave him some to take into school. The teacher said, "You can't use that because it's not vegan ham." And it's like, but why does the vegan in the class, if there is even one, yeah. get the the the, the dictatorial uh, dictatorial approach to go because I'm vegan? You and, and what is it? Cross contamination? You know yeah. who? What the hell? But you think, where does that come from? Where does that nonsense come from? Where someone said, 
it's more important that we have that vegan ham. We're like, have you had vegan cheese on a pizza? It's bloody disgusting. You don't want to eat it. Yeah. So why would I want to eat vegan ham? He's bringing something home that was supposed yeah. to be going, well done. That tastes lovely, bud. Good job. Uh, and instead, he's told that he can't come there and it, it needs to be stay, stay in his bag. So the, the, the dog was pleased. You know what I mean? It got yeah. to uh, have a bit of ham. But all that nonsense where you just go, really? And it's, I don't know how it seeps in. Where did where did it start to seep in? Where did these people start to get their their sort of claws into it? Because you yeah. think, did they go to training cinemas or something where they got yeah. to go? Well, actually, well, look at um. Let me use a great example. I mean, there's there's good rabbit holes you can. I mean, I'll just drop this one in that we know. Again, I have nephews at at uh, you know one of the top boys' schools, so I'm privy to exactly what's going on all the time. I mean, they had a campaign saying banter is bullying. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah. you guys know for in football, in finance, mm. whatever, that banter is a important part of the male, uh, I don't, the male world. And yeah. you or I, you know, if we were, could take the piss out of each other. Mm. I love you guys. And I'm just saying it because it's funny. But if yeah. you're like, he said, I've got a big nose or I don't like my pink shirt or look at his silly beard or something like that. You're like, yeah. listen, if you think that you're going to go out in the world and not have anything said to you that you find yeah. offended by, you're fucked. Or you will mm, end yeah. up, you will be a total pathetic snowflake that people won't want yeah. to hang around with. Yeah. Or some people will, and they'll be sad as well. So <laughs> this, the school system, like you said, is fucked on many levels. But when you realise, I mean, the boys had things where they were told, um, you know, there's too much masculinity in the room, or sorry, too much testosterone in the room. And you say, hold on a minute. If girls were doing girl things, would you go in and say there's too much femininity in the room? Exactly. You know, how would that work? They've had talks on um, white privilege. They've had to listen to that stuff. It's and it, like you say, where does it come from? That's a, mm. a another hour long podcast. But it oh, brings huge. we bring it back to men, and I think men find that as well. A lot of them tiptoe around on like LinkedIn, mm. and I get it because they're like, I think all oh, this or this or this is bollocks, but I can't say it because. I have bills to pay mm. yeah. and you're like yeah. it's, it's scary isn't it really do you think though yeah. i suppose and it goes back to what we were saying originally where you were saying about um schools being you know the production line of of worker bees and stuff like that if we were to kind of change the mentality and and i suppose it, you also said as well you know you do need people that are going to do the nine to five and things get done i suppose but do you think i don't know like do we reimagine what the development of a young person becomes so that it, you know I, I don't know we churn out not just the work of bees we we churn out people that their natural grav they're not being grav they're not being pulled towards you know yeah. the sensible good job type approach they're actually going out there and doing something like a risk taker or you know mm. setting something up things like that like i i don't know do you think we can actually reverse that or change that because i don't think we can in this no I, I i'd like to say yes i think the school system is completely and utterly entrenched in uh, a certain ideology what at the moment if that makes sense mm. and so i look at it that can i affect that no are my kids at school no um therefore is my time better spent helping the let's call it the middle-aged men if that makes sense yeah who 
you know that's where when i say my expertise that's that's my thin slice of expertise but it still doesn't mean and it's good for us to talk about it because sometimes you'll get messages from people saying i'm really glad you said this about this because i've been feeling like that but i just haven't you know i haven't heard anybody else i thought it was just me if that makes yeah. sense but do you think as well like this is an issue i've seen time and time again in this country and i'm not saying it's just unique to this country but especially where so say like some of the men you're working with you encouraging them to kind of i suppose take responsibility in some ways for their life yeah one of those ways is obviously setting up their own business stuff like that but i've done numerous businesses and things like in this country yeah it's hard but the other bit as well is as i suppose it comes with hard with it people take great joy in firstly telling you how hard it is but Mm. then they also tell you like how bad the idea is they literally tell you why you shouldn't be doing this do you know what i mean they they Mm. build so many hurdles yeah or or just things but then i've spent time in like the us and other places and the mentality is like the polar opposite where if you said oh yeah i just started my business everyone's like great that sounds excellent like what is it and it's like no one says oh that's a pile of shit which <laughs> is kind of like yeah. what we have in this country yeah. i Look, don't know I, how you get rid of that mentality I, I, you're, you're right i think it's a it's an age-old thing and, and maybe when i was younger i might have been the same i mean i'm you know i'm a very different man to what i was you know i'm 45 now so let's say at, yeah. at 35 around that time i, I think i woke up to uh you know a different i was a different man around that time um but you're right i found that where although i didn't start it off as a business i've spoke to a lot of people that have who said in this country it just felt it's like personal development over here it's very guarded and 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 it's very there's not much of it about which is why i saw it as i know there's a desire for it i want to create what i wanted as a 35 six year old man that i would have spent good money on and fuck everybody else like I want to bring in the men that I that was like I was. But yeah, you go to the States and hence why postal development is massive over there, because they have a more, for want of a better term, a can do attitude. Yeah. It's Mm. not, what are you doing that for? It's like, great, tell me about it. And I'm trying to think who it was I heard who said who'd lived in the States and over here. And long story short, like in the States, if he drove around in like his Ferrari, people would come up and be like, wow, what do you yeah. do to earn this? He's amazing. Over here, it'd be like, wanker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is like, that, yeah. Sorry, what? So, yeah. Uh, and I think on that as well, I see it from a selfish perspective where I look at my son and go, well, look, if a lot of the other children are lemons, because that's the way they're being developed, you've got a great advantage, son. You know, and also you're not competing with the kids in your local area. If you want to be successful, there's other kids whose other parents are pushing the agenda to help them become the best that they can be. So focus on that. Don't worry about the lemons too much, because unfortunately, they're almost like the lemmings. Um, you know, that yeah, they're already in that mindset. So especially post-COVID, I've found a lot of children um, have become more you know, smaller in their character, their personality in certain places because they haven't coped with that that whole narrative quite well. And I think actually they do feel a little bit like they're behind the curve mm. because they didn't have someone, like you said, who was a parent who was trying to just get them to go, don't worry about that, work forward, try yeah. to do other things because that's a part of what your life could be. But there's other elements where you can design what that looks like and Trying to have that with the, with your own child is is fascinating. You you think, and I think it's a really important point. Go going back to 
what it's so funny how some people think like oh we should just forgive and forget what happened in the last three years and you go no 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 think about the youngsters you know we're, we're all older now and he said old mm. but let's be kind to say yeah. old yeah who missed out on if you're at university you know getting pissed shagging yeah. people having parties learning doing all-nighters doing all this stuff and meeting new people who were working or studying from home then you look yeah. at these school children who no matter who they were they were should be out in the playground having fun and running around and learning from each other and doing all this great stuff sitting looking at a laptop with no friends around them and then mm -hmm. you take it younger to the babies our middle child didn't get to go to all the little classes where all the babies you know dribbled on each other and poked each other in the eye and rolled yeah. around on the floor he didn't everything was shut so where and whilst they did that they were taken out to supermarkets where people were all like this mm. and mm. it's what a dystopian fucking nightmare so the the long-reaching issues that i think that probably maybe never will be fully understood um from all of that cannot be underestimated but if you want to flip it then to the men a lot of the men that i spoke to said working from home was good for a little while and then they mm. realized they suddenly became lonely not everybody don't get me wrong but yeah. often it was either the men that were on their own that suddenly became lonely and depressed because you were just you know isolation is the biggest foot punishment in prison <laughs> so yeah. we all like a little bit of time on our own but yours no you know continuous for most people does you in because what some men said was even if they used to work from home they'd go out to the pub that night or a nightclub or a restaurant or on dates or what have you so you had that double whammy then you had the dads who had kids like i mm -hmm. did who suddenly they've got a high pressure job you know they're working long hours and they've got the fucking kids rightly so screaming in the background because kids shouldn't be quiet yeah you wouldn't take a child into your office and when they were noisy be like shut up because you're like don't bring them in the office you idiot yeah so you know i spoke to and it was really hard sometimes to hear from men who have had a lot of pride and a lot of high power job and blah 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 and they were like I'm finding it's really hard because I'm getting I'm snapping at the kids saying like shut up I'm trying to work I want a swim call and the kids are like I'm at home what do you want me to do and then the wife yeah. starts arguing saying don't have a go kids um great example a guy who I did a little bit of coaching with let's say and he said I've never felt depressed before but you know within a few months of working from home I suddenly just felt like I didn't want to get out of bed and had all these different feelings when things started back up the company said hey you can come back to work we're opening the office up but some people were didn't want to go back to the office for up to mm. them fair enough for various reasons and then he found that it was only going in one day a week so he said the problem is i was going in there's no one in the office yeah. so i might as well just stayed at home and then in the end the company said hey there's no one in the office let's just shut the office and we'll all work permanently from home yeah and he's yeah. had to leave because i can't i can't do it and you know that for me had never come up before for most people but for men especially, it was very hard to separate the blurred lines of being dad at home mm -hmm. and dad in the office who's got, you know, who's got deadlines. Mm. Yeah, because I, I think there is almost a narrative pushing people towards this, be isolated, be at home. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I deliver mental health and well-being training. And, you know, I think they want people to be unwell again. And that is the cynical side of me where I'm going, it is big pharma. The more people that are unwell and depressed and on antidepressants more customers there's more customers and you know that's why it's great for me that you're pushing the methodology of look how well are you looking after yourself what's your routines are you hydrating eating sleeping exercising being social you know what does that look like for you 
Are you setting yourself realistic objectives and goals to try and achieve? Do you have purpose? Because yeah. if you don't have any of that, then, you know, it's very easy to slip into, I feel awful, you know, mm. because you've lost your, your direction and goals. And um, with that in mind, then, you know, the Wellman Academy, uh, not Wellman, Wholeman Academy, where are you going with that? You know, so I, could, yeah. I saw bits on there where you, you're, you're really trying to help people. And I know that's not the only thing you're doing, but, you know, from that perspective, is that something that a lot of guys are reaching out for? Is it part of what you just give them as part of the whole package? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's evolved because I say I like all of us, you, you, know, you sometimes never know the path ahead and who you meet and where it takes you. Um, what I realized was being around more men who are especially in the states who have got massive memberships firstly let's let's be honest the most important thing for me is me making money because i've mm. got pay. but what i mean is if you can do good with that money and put more yeah. events on and create better content and etc etc that's that's where you can amplify it and yeah that was my mistake before i should have started a membership a couple of years ago because what guys said was listen i've listened to a podcast i've read your journal I've worked through your online course, but on a Monday morning, it's still just me. Yeah. And we heard that from guys, um, even at personal development events I went to, they'd say, listen, the problem is you get all excited at the weekend and you go home and, you know, emotionally vomit all over your wife, how great you're going to do all these things. And mm. by Wednesday, you're like, what, what the fuck was I doing? So for me, trying to add in the regular accountability and focus and clarity of, of a unit was was important. So I would say my main goal is to grow the network mm. and i know i don't know what the tipping point is but at some point i would need some a another person another man to help me and mm. i have two people in mind um once it becomes financially viable but I, I try and look at it as a two-pronged or three or four-pronged approach as a funnel let's say i know that everybody's either got their own budget mm -hmm. and, or their willingness to spend what they have got so i say look you start with free content you can read the journal and that's free, you know, Mondays and Fridays and your bonus one. You can listen to 130 hours of podcasts for free. Mm. You can take the quiz for free. That would already help you. But then if you want to go a step further, the next one is something like um, our energy. Well, it was called our energy protocols. We're, we're refreshing it for next year. But mm. we had over 100 men bought the course, which, again, for some people might not sound a lot. But I was like, put 100 men together and realize they're all working through your six-part course on nutrition mindset resilience morning routine fitness um so they could then buy that for let's say you know less than uh, 97 dollars or something like that or they could now join the network for well it, the price had just gone up but for like it will be 67 dollars which let's say faces about 50 quid a week uh, sorry 50 quid a month which yeah you know is uh for want of a better word is probably like the price of a uh, one coffee a day and what that would afford you is being in a network of men who are driven to succeed. They're all normal guys, but you then get the accountability and the goal setting and the events and stuff like that and the, and the regular calls that just help you check in and and drive you forward. But the other thing for me is, again, the events. So in November, I hosted three events, one in Winchester, one in London, one in the Cotswolds. I mean, the Cotswolds one, we had 14 men come to it. Uh, I, I actually got, which is random for men, but I got um, like thank you uh, cards sent through the door, which I'd, I've never had before. I've had bottles of yeah. drinks sent to me, but <laughs> there was a big appetite for men to want to, who all want to do well and be a good dad and be a good business partner and provide and what have you, but who mm. want sporadic events where you can get around other men who can 
proper conversations and aren't going to be offended if you said something you don't like. And more importantly, maybe get out in nature, get around mm -hmm. a fire, cook steaks, uh, you know, have a couple of talks, leave, leave your phones alone. And mm -hmm. I asked all of the guys there and they're 14 around that table or 13 of me who um, would be interested in that next year. And every single, it was like a Mexican wave. Everybody said yes, because I think a lot of men want to get away from tech. It's very useful, but yeah. you know, get back to something of nature, even if it's for a weekend or something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think I obviously I'm, I'm a hypocrite in some respects in that technology is a big part of my daily life, I suppose. Yeah. But you're right; it it it's so difficult now to escape. I I, I suppose the only situation I can think where I've in the last few years where I've escaped technology is actually when if you ever have to get on a long haul flight. Yeah. Um, even that's evaporating. If you fly that's British gone. Airways, their Wi-Fi is terrible. But if you go like other airlines, you'll get Wi-Fi. But uh, like fly BA, you, you know, the chance you're getting good Wi-Fi on that is really hard. So I, I flew to like the States last year and it was pleasant because yeah. you just, I could sit there, read a book, um, catch up on podcasts, obviously off my phone that was on. <laughs> thinking yeah. about it, but, but yeah. just do do what you want. You're not being dictated by the phone or or mm. emails or anything, isn't it? It's just so rare in this in this world now. It, the thing is you become so dependent on it. I mean, I've got, you know, Instagram. Uh, I, I hate Twitter, so I, I check in and again, you know, Instagram and LinkedIn, I'm on all the time. And I've got three different email addresses. And, you know, I use Telegram, WhatsApp, normal text messages, uh, you know, people message me on Instagram as well. And of course on LinkedIn. So I've got like in the morning, you could say like check like five or six things and messages before you even start. Yeah. And sometimes it drives you mad because you're, you start again because you'll be like, Oh, I've looked at this. And then you go back to LinkedIn and then Instagram and then Facebook. I forgot that one. Cause we have people message us on there. And before you know it, you're like, what, what was I doing? Why was yeah. I, why did I pick mm. up the phone? So uh, again, that's a big one. So many guys on podcasts are like you, it, it kind of is an energy vampire and time, you know, mm. it sucks your time when you realize you're fucking scrolling and you're like, oh, there's a cat dressed as Hitler. Why am I, what, what am I doing about, you know, why am I looking at this now? Yeah, so it's, it's a big one for a lot of men. And, you know, we all know it's designed to be as addictive as possible. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing listening to you this evening, Anthony, and just that last bit, the thing that jumped straight to me, and I don't know if it's something you've considered, is the, the franchise approach. You could almost see the whole man academy being rolled out. So you've almost got these these secular clubs which feed into the larger club. Yeah. But you think, well, actually, if you did find these guys with a similar mindset around, we want to create these more local hubs. Mm. Um you know, um, is that something you've considered, you know, because it does sound like yeah, there's lots of men, like I, I think, who would be keen to attend these events, get to know each other, build their networks and connections and have that focus. Is that is that something for the future? It's and what I like there, Simon, is it's a like a big thinking approach, isn't it? I always call like the whole man academy like a little big idea. Like it was a little idea I had that has grown to. Um, I'll tell you what's cool. Same with podcasts. I had a guy contact me a few years ago. And the great thing about podcasts or content online is, of course, it can be found at any point. So they could be you know, listening yeah. to it a year later, two years later. But yeah. one guy was like um, a police officer from Toronto. 
and I was like, hey, great that he's like, you know, the guys in the whatever listen to your podcast and read your journal, like, you know, the police officers there. And for him, he was like, there's nothing, there's nothing like this in Canada. And, you know, I had, uh, I was at an event a long time ago where I got talked to someone who came over and said, oh, my husband, this is cool. My husband runs um, or is part of one of the American football teams. Hmm. And he'd be really, in, he's into this stuff. would be really interested in you maybe coming out there and doing some kind of something. Now, nothing came of it because to be honest, I, I think we were about to have our second baby. So I was, you know, had priorities. But it's certainly something that for me, the big thing is about how can you have more impact? So mm. you start with what you can and then you build out from there. But you said the key thing is finding men who are awake to how the world works. Mm. Because I find it very hard to be around people that don't because then I can't have someone you know with my let's say with my rubber stamp of approval yeah. who like watches the news and thinks it's real like watches the bbc and, and everything that comes on they're like oh yeah this is how it, i can't have that because in the end you just go like that mm. so these i've connected with so many more men who i say have got a brain and what i realized was the cleverest people i knew in the last few years are now i realized were the most brainwashed <laughs> right yeah Yep. So they followed that narrative of this is what educated people look like, sound yep. like. And it's that charade, that that sort of presentation of self, you know, a lot of work by Goffman around how do we present to the world mm. what we want people to see? And, you know, the fear of actually, I don't want to be undereducated uh, because then I'll get persecuted. But like you say, well, actually, none of us stop evolving, developing, growing. So we're yeah. always just adding extra elements to ourselves. Like you said, 35-year-old you to 45 you is a different person. Uh, and I think we've probably all been through that. And having children shapes you and changes you and how life gives you a kick in uh, along the way and how you bounce back for that, I think will all um, yeah contribute to that. So now that, that, that's interesting because, um, yeah, that franchise approach, me and a friend were just talking about it the other day, you know, because I've got a friend who runs these after-school clubs, football clubs, and he's he's got a franchise in that. And you think, well, actually, that type of approach for this sounds like th th there could be something there. And I, I just wanted to ask you if it's something you considered. And, yeah, because um, I think, yeah, I, I, I'd be interested in the future because I think it feeds into that that sort of you want these conversations, you want people empowering, supporting each other. And, you know, where it grows and develops from, you don't know. But, it, you know, it, it could be an interesting element to how you go in the future. So I think you know, football, football is a good example of, you know, uh, men want to belong to something, go to something and, you know, also be entertained sometimes. Mm. And, you know, when you look around the country, at the thousands and thousands of hundreds of thousands of men that go to football and rugby, let's just pick those. Yeah. I, that when, you know, they're the kind of men I'm trying to reach. Because I'm a normal guy with, you know, with normal dreams and desires and goals and kids and, you know, late nights and I've fucked things up in the past and I've done stupid shit and I'm not perfect. So I yeah. want to get around those guys. I would say it's an attitude and intentions. I don't care what yeah. you've got, what you drive, what your job is, what your salary is, what your house looks like. Have you got a good attitude and have you got intentions to do some, you know, some good stuff in the world for, for you first and your family and then yeah. your wider community? Um, but... I'd love to talk about football if you have time for a minute, because yeah, yeah. I, I love a great example of, again, going back to the COVID stuff, but the psychology, the psychology of what happened there, 
can be studied for many, many years to come. And this is where it's interesting, because if you remember, a lot of people did whatever they were told, okay, for, for, for argument's sake. And we know that was a fear-based tool that was used. But what was really interesting was that I feel they gave football back because at some point there'll be some unrest. If mm. that makes sense. And it's yeah. the bread and circus of, okay, look, give them their football, right? Don't let them go to stadiums. But now suddenly on a Saturday and a Sunday and whatever, a lot of, you know, fighting age men, <laughs> if you want to put, I will happily sit. Yeah. What's and get excited one, yeah. about men they've never met who are uh, who are fitter than them and richer than them and probably have more sex than them. Yeah. But what yeah. happened was when they um, those men were never going to go out and protest against having their freedom taken away because they've now got what they they needed to be fed, if that makes sense. Mm. But when they then announced that the Europeans, I think the Super League was going to start, when yeah. it was going to be Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, and what have you, you saw thousands of men take to the streets and be at their clubs saying, "No, no, no." Mm, they, mm. you haven't gone to uh and i'm a football lover so i'm i'm not beating on football fans here I'm, i've been a liverpool fan since i was tiny yeah but they've been had in the fact that football is more important to them than their freedom because mm -hmm. they would take their masks off and go and chant with their mates and go yeah and take their shirts off but back on a monday morning they were back on the tube with a mask on doing what they're told and only seeing their nan you know through a fucking care home window mm -hmm. so it's a very interesting one to look at if you give a lot of men who haven't got men need excitement in their life and thrill and if you give it to them via the medium of entertainment on tv they on a monday morning they're just they're happy to go into work because they're like i had my hit of dopamine at the weekend mm. and if it's not it's not their dopamine if that makes sense it's been generated by other men so it's a really interesting one yeah because i grew up with loads of lads i'm from portsmouth originally and uh, all my mates' brothers were football hooligans, mm. you know, and that's how they found their release. They had the mundanity of their role, their job, and that excitement was that's how they presented that to the world at that time because that was the the, the sort of era, you know, yeah. mid-70s to mid-80s before the rave scene come in and everyone started getting loaded up and hugging each other. Yeah. Um, but that was part of how you displayed, um, you know, your desire or frustrations you know and i think that's where that is a release for men is that yes. sporting element. outlet yeah and, and men you know i do assessments for professional football scholars in clubs still as part of one of my roles and um those young people don't have much of a, an opportunity to think you know so they're indoctrinated in a lot of way and you're know, controlled and if we look at the statistics less than one percent make it to the elite end of the game um, but one other part on this is look at us three we don't live in the area that we grew up. Yeah. So I found where I mm. live now, I moved out here as part of, we wanted to live by the coast. Um, but when I lost my job, it changed all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, I live out here, but there's no football where I am. It's a, it's a desolate wasteland. You know, Gillingham's um, not much of a team, to be fair. So there's lots of men who've been displaced and moved to areas where their their childhood friends are not there anymore yep. so these type of clubs i don't know if i call it a club or a network you know where you can go actually i want to go and have a chat with guys because my my back and my fallback was always play sport you know go and play football pick up squash do that but now because i've become unwell and got less energy i can't do that and you lose okay. that and you think well actually if there was 
something where I could go and connect with these guys um, who are in it for the same reason. You know, they just want to socialize with some men, chill out, almost like a gentleman's club in a way. But it is that sort of approach. Um, I think, yeah, it, it's something that men are definitely calling out for. Uh, I, I would I would say. And it well, links to these, you know, well-being things that are popping up where, you know, I know a, a local charity called Head in the Game where men go down, play five a side, talk about well-being and stuff, uh, have a kick about, then go home. You just think that there's all these different tiers, but to bring that together would be really, really powerful, I think. So, and that's it's really important you said this. And this is one of these points about let's talk mental health. My issue is that men, so mental health is part of what makes up a man, as we know. And, I, and mm. I've said on podcasts, you know, you can have someone that's like, uh, mentally, I'm fine, but I'm fucking broke. Like, I don't need mental health support. I need strategies to help my business. I need marketing. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. my mental health is fine, but I'm fat and out of shape. And I need someone to help me with that. Mm. So when I first started, people rang, wrongly assumed that it was all about mental health. And we know mm. it has its place. And for me, my example was, let's say with the whole Mad Academy, mine is about aspirational events and personal development looking to the future, mm. like looking at where you are now into the future, not necessarily to the past. Because if you go over the past, you're just picking a scab that's never going to heal. You know, mm. not to say there's no value in looking at what's happened before, but some people revel in, let's just talk about what happened before. But I would say, let's say on the broking floor when I was there and there was, uh, let's just say number 300 men if I'd have gone like, hey, guys, who wants to come to a mental health event for men this week? <laughs> yeah. A shoe yeah. or a daily mail. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Off. If you'd have said, hey, guys, look, there's a, there's, a, there's a mental strength and resilience event this weekend. We've got special forces guys, ex-footballers, CEOs yeah. and Maori warriors from New Zealand coming in online. Who wants, who's interested? Mm. Suddenly, it's yeah. just roughly the same thing, but packaged in a different way. Yeah. And mm. that's, you know, a, a mistake maybe I made to say, but I always knew I didn't want it to be just mental health because yeah. the problem is I'm not trying to attract, I'm trying to attract men in the gap. And the gap mm. is yeah. you've got depressed and suicidal. You've got the gap of like, is this it? I want to be better or things are going well, I can do more. And then yeah. the people at the top who are like, I don't need any help at all. But you don't want to. A charity is the right place for suicidal, like yeah, depression. Yeah. yeah. And how harsh as it is, do you want your entire customer base to be built around that? I'll give yeah. you a clue. Yeah. So for me, yeah. I was trying to be very clear about I'm taking the man I was. I wasn't. I didn't have mental health issues. I was fucking bored of my job. I had yeah. money in the bank. I was very fit and healthy. I just represented the country in the World Championships in America for obstacle course racing. I, you know, had a loving family. So I had all those boxes ticked. I was very strong mentally, but mm. I was like, I just, I need something else in life. So it's it's an important one to say there's a time and a place for the mental health stuff. But mm. you have to be careful that talking about mental health puts some men off from being like, I, I don't want to go to that. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. then people say it's a safe space. Now, no yeah. man has ever said, unless it's joking, yeah, I'm looking for some kind of safe space to have a chat. It, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work like, but mm. people think it does because it's like a buzzword. So people, mm -hmm. and, and I don't beat on people for that because I'm like, listen, I, it explains what things are, but I try and talk the language of for other men. They're not looking for a safe space. That sounds like the rest of the world is dangerous and they need a padded cell. For yeah. me, it's like you need to sit down with someone in the corner of a nice hotel or on Zoom or whatever and mm. get out. What the fuck's going on? What's your silent struggle? And what can we do about it? 
yeah it's that mental fitness it's that mental fitness element of you know this is how i cope with the world and mm. it's different for different things like you say it's not um i'm unwell um it is i, I just i'm not challenged or i need something else so yeah i think terminology is quite powerful because when i deliver courses i say it's much easier to talk about stress than it is mental illness and mental health because like exactly like you said people get turned off by going oh i don't want to be labeled as that and it's like right okay there's no problem but stress such an easier conversation to have with people who are not managing it effectively so no that's a great point thanks Anthony. i think one thing that's worth asking at this point you mentioned obviously about um your program closed last night um there i guarantee there'll be people listening to this that what you've said has resonated with them and i suppose that first step is always that hard the hardest step what are you going to be opening up again for more people or like so what what can that next step be i suppose for for listeners that say that what you've talked about has resonated and they want to take that next step i suppose yeah you know they've seen your content but they actually want to you know be part of something yeah i always think it's about and and i never like the term following or followers but for me i'm the same i have guys i'd say i'm a follower because i like I like what they I like their attitude, if that makes sense. Mm. And we know that other people won't like my attitude and your attitude and your attitude at all. But you're like, great, you go and do you. The other guys come and get around me and all the other men around. So the reason I closed it was I wanted, firstly, the men who'd been thinking about it to have a push to either, like you said, David, a deadline of not yeah. like, oh, I join when I feel like it. It's like, do you want to, are you fucking yeah. in or not? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Stick your cock in the custard. It's not expensive. Everybody in there can afford it. You know, either shit or get off the pot, as it were. And you had some guys say, do you know what? I needed I needed the kick up the ass to get involved. So it it closed last night at midnight. So we had two more men uh, that you know joined. Although one of them, to be fair, messaged me. He's been a long time supporter of the whole man academy. And I'll link it to football in a minute. But he messaged me. He's like, I've got so much stuff going on. Please, can you just... Let, I'm going to join, but can you just let me come back to you on Friday? And we all know what that's like when you've got deadlines, kids and everything. So um, we will reopen it in early 2024. Um, but if people want to, the first thing to do is basically to either go to our website and just take the quiz because everybody yeah. that's on our whole man journal email list and it's good quality content. There's no fucking rubbish on there means that you'll firstly hear about it. But I'll tell you a cool story about the guy that joined yesterday. He came to one of our, he's been to Winchester dinners and several London dinners. And he used to be a ball boy at Reading Football Club when a professional footballer called Nicky Forster, who you might know, you might not. Yeah, yeah. Really nice guy. You know, he's been to Holman Academy dinners, reads our journal. He's been to, um, I've had him on the podcast. And here's what's cool. Nicky came to one of our London events for, for, uh, for dinner. And Ash was sitting next to him. And I didn't realize that Ash used to be the ball boy at Reading when Nicky was the set was the you know the the striker who mm. was the center forward and used to like when I say worship him, you know what I mean? It really looked him like a hero. Yeah. And for me, I was like, Nicky's he's my mate. That's all I see him as because I, you know, that's the way I am. But for him, it was like I'd never thought that I'd be sitting having a beer and a burger and just a good chat with who I, you know, deemed as my hero all those years ago. And I was mm. like, that's forgetting everything else isn't that cool yeah. i love i love that stuff um yeah so that was a long way of answering your question that it will reopen 
now the flight <laughs> we opened in, in 2024 like early in 2024 um and you know I want it to be with no nonsense men who don't mind a little bit of real talk. Yeah. And I think there's plenty out there that will reach out to that. Like I say, I mean, we're still trying to grow our listener base, but there will be people that have listened in. And again, you know, from our network, we will go, you know, that resonates. And uh, it's something that I'm most definitely interested in. Um, So the the other element of this, you've you've put some great little sayings in throughout. Uh, We always say to people, is there one defining saying that you have that sort of drives where you've come from, that you live by, a statement or anything like that? Or do you just go, actually, they're OK. They're not things that I really buy into. I use them every now and then. So we always ask someone if they have got a quote that they live by. But some say yes, some say no. But we always like to um, just gather one if they have got one. I definitely uh, one of my biggest bits uh, after doing 130 podcasts, you can imagine, even if I had one thing from each guy, you know, you, yeah. you, you, you've forgotten 100 of them. You've still got 30 odd. Yeah. One, before I give you the my saying, which just reminds me where I'm going with it. One of the best bits of advice I got for now, this doesn't matter if you're male or female and you've got a partner or you've got a workforce, what have you. I interviewed a former Californian police detective who went on to become a men's coach. And he said to me. One thing to especially relationships, but go to your partner, your husband, whoever it is, and say and blow blow their mind by saying, How can I make your day a 10? Mm. And his point was what you might think that they're gonna ask and demand all these things, often sometimes that it'd be the simplest thing that they're just like, I just wish you'd empty the dishwasher. It sounds silly, but you know, and just do this or just something that that for them is really important that for you you're you're quite kind of lax about it mm. and i know when i got off the call and went into my uh you know partner emma and was like how can i make your day a 10 i think she thought i'd been possessed by someone i was like <laughs> you know, where's where's anthony what have you done with him yeah that can be applied i've done that in talk to her. i said that can be applied to your your workforce imagine saying to your team or your desk or something guys just a question like how could i make your your day a 10 or your you know your experience of working here, how could i make it a 10 and some people might be like i just i just wish i could leave early on a friday an hour or two early yeah so it's 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 one of those things that you can apply to a lot of your your life um but my final one is i know it's my ending calling card which is the world needs strong men Mm -hmm. and that kind of surrounds everything i try and do because i'm trying to connect with more strong men i'm trying to create more strong men I'm trying to be stronger myself so I can bring up mentally and physically strong boys as we've got three boys. And generally you look around and the fucking shit show that we're in at the moment with the clowns and the puppets and the cretins in government all around the world, so especially the five I countries, but all around the world that no time like it, I think that we need strong men and you know, I don't know where we go from here, but the mm-hmm. more men like us that we can connect with, that at some point you might need could be very, very valuable. Yeah. Excellent. So two great ones there, Dave. They'll be yeah. going on the T-shirts, mate, won't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anthony, it's been amazing. It's you been know, really two good. hours yeah. is gone and flown Like that, by. yeah. Yeah, and um, covered a variety of topics. And, and when we get guests like yourself on, actually, we think we've still only scratched the surface. Yeah, you know, we really haven't really got depth um, to what we're doing because it's hard to in these these sort of conversations. So, it would be great to check back in with you in the future yeah. if you'd be up for that. Um, you know, and um, 
you know, I, I'm definitely interested in learning more about the network when it reopens and, yeah. uh, you know, getting involved. And uh, I'll be in touch around that and seeing what it looks like. Um, so uh, thank you for coming on yeah, and sharing, you. you know, what you're trying to achieve and, you know, the, the groups you're trying to formulate. Because I think there is that that desire from men, like you said, to just communicate, collaborate, get together and just be men, just be seen in a, a place yeah where it's encouraged and it's um, really um, an opportunity to thrive. So, yeah, thank you for giving up your time and coming on. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's been really great two hours to have a chat with you. It's been a pleasure. You're more than welcome to come and join the Brotherhood, brothers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll be having a, I tell you one thing that I can say safely from this conversation is it's it's so good to get someone speaking positively. Do you know what I mean? In that mm. uh, you just, as you said, like, you pick up a newspaper, the news, there's so much negativity out there. Um, I know we've talked about some, I don't really call it negativity, but we've talked about things that happen, but you come across so well in terms of the positivity and you're, you're not looking to say, oh, well, this is what's happened. You're looking for actually how to move things forward. So I, yeah. as I said, I think this will resonate with a lot of our listeners. Um and I'll be joining them having a look at when things do reopen in the new year. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. And uh, and as Simon says, it'd be good to catch up, hopefully, in the new year and find out how things are going. Yeah, yeah. I'll happily. I, I'm pleased to say that I get I often get asked back only because I will give a unfiltered view of things. And, <laughs> and maybe it's rare. So, I, you know, I would say um, even these, this time has gone so quickly. And I think mm. that's a very good indication of you're having a good conversation with people you really resonate and exactly, like. Exactly, yeah. Instead of sitting yeah. there being like, fucking hell, this is only 20 <laughs> minutes in. So, uh, so I'm, you that's know, normally what it's like, like, if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. And if you want me to come back on, I will happily go for it. Yeah, Brilliant. excellent. Right. Well, thank you, Anthony, and uh, all the best. Enjoy your Christmas. Cheers, guys, and you. Cheers. Cheers.